Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Random Citizen. This is actually an episode that you might have already heard before if you've been a listener from the start. This is because we are currently in the process of repurposing all of our old podcast episodes and cleaning up the entire feed. These changes will allow listeners to enjoy the best episodes and highlight the most insightful content. Now, if you're newer to this podcast and wondering where to find or why you can't find season one and two, don't worry. They'll eventually be available on our website, torqueunited.com. After we do some fun, dare I say, innovative things with them, but stay tuned for that. In the meantime, we plan to release rewinds every other week to repurpose older podcast episodes And this will simply just allow listeners to revisit classic content from insightful and featured guests and enjoy it in a new light at a different time in their life to hopefully provide a new perspective. At the end of the day, it's our intention to bring the best possible content to you. So enjoy this repurposed rewind. All right, welcome back to Thoughts of a Random Citizen. I'm your host, as always, Hugh Sifu, and we have Alberto back today for part two of the conversation that you guys heard last week, and it covers the exciting topic of the Italian Mafia. It's a really good conversation, so hopefully you guys enjoy. Before I play that, as always, it really helps if you guys share or like or rate this podcast, so if you want to do that for me, that'd be fantastic. But other than that, please, please enjoy this excellent interview with Alberto. Cool. All right. So now on to what I'm really excited to talk about, the mafia and stuff. From my understanding, you guys have like three different kinds of police and... I they like somehow this is just from my understanding of the people I've talked to here like compete with each other. Can you explain this a bit more? In like, is it good? Is it effective? What? Why you guys have so many different kinds of police? <laughs> because because we are a, a very baroque and uh, baroque and culture, and because we we love to overcomplicate everything. <laughs> Actually, we don't have three police forces. We have five plus. Fantastic. Five plus. <laughs> so. I'll, I'll, I'll try to summarize it, even if it's not easy. Let's start with a, with a funny note. So uh, first, they're dressing very differently one to the other. So polizia, police, the civil police, the main police, let's call it like that. But then Wait, I'm that's sure. all one police force, correct? Everything you just said was one police force, the polizia? Yeah, polizia is one, poli- one of the three police forces, yep. main, and they dress in blue. And many of them is a, have a nice belly. just joking Uh but it's because it's um it's the main and general police force then we have carabinieri which is part of the army and they are the guys dressed in black and they normally have uh, trousers with a red stripe easy to spot the third one is guardia di finanza is basically the economic and finance police and they specialize into financial and financial related crime tax okay. evasions then there are some uh, subjects with uh, which are covered by 
the three of them at the same time that's probably what what you were referring to when you when you talked about uh, drugs mm. uh, sorry <laughs> hey man come on <laughs> that's probably what what you were referring to when you were talking about competition mm. for example um repression of uh, drug related crimes is on each of them so each of the police carabinieri and guardia di finanza is in charge of uh, repressing drug-related crime. So even the financial guys are also in charge of... They have the best sniffer dogs. Ah, perfect. <laughs> Then apart from these three police forces, you also have uh, the so-called penitentiary police, Polizia Penitenziaria, which is basically the polizia for, the, for all the correctional institutes, for all the jails. And then you have the rangers, which is technically a police force, the so-called uh, Guardia Forestale. They take care mainly of nature and ah, okay. uh, nature-related crime. Apart from those, you also have uh, local police. So each, uh, each and every town has one or two or three offices of um, local police, which are mainly in charge of traffic and very local matters, public order in a very local meaning. The main objective of Polizia is to keep the country safe, let's say, to keep, the, to keep social order and to keep uh, the country secure. They are balanced by Carabinieri because of an historical reason, so also in order to avoid uh, unbalances and possibly coups from, from uh, one of the other or the other side. Polizia is uh, linked and it's ruled by the Ministry of Interiors while the Carabinieri are ruled by the Ministry of Defense. So they are technically part of the army. And then the Minister of Interior is like homeland. It's like um, internal. Correct. So they keep, uh, they keep uh, the border safe. That's one of the roles of Polizia. And then in terms of public order, Carabinieri are somehow subordinated to Polizia, meaning that the main responsibility of public order is on police, but then also Carabinieri have a role on that, depending on the specific situations. Each of these forces also have uh, special forces inside, from uh, political crimes to, as we said, drug-related, and then you were mentioning before mafia and criminal organizations. You said that I have a passion for it. It's uh, it's. <laughs> Saying that I have a passion for mafia is a bit of a... It's a bit, yeah. We'll just, you can clarify if you want to hear you. Uh, yeah, just to clarify. <laughs> I have a passion because, in fact, criminal organizations are um, a big part of our um, history and current situation. So it's something you should not uh, avoid to know and something you should be aware of. And you should know the history of it and you should know the impact of it. And uh, so I... As a personal interest, I read a bit about mafia and criminal organizations and um, I tried to build a knowledge for myself that allows me to, underst to better understand some of the phenomenon happening here in this country. Yeah, 100%. It's always, I'm a huge history guy myself. That's kind of why the first half of this was a history because I'm just, it's obviously super beneficial to know about where we came from and why we're here today. So not mafia. <laughs> Do you think it's good, essentially, that the, 
I guess that there's such complexity because I know that you said the initial intent to create so many different police forces were to lessen the corruption. But then do you think that that's effective? No, corruption. Italy is one of the most corrupted countries in the world. Perfect. We, we cannot hide it. Uh-huh. I would uh, really like to say that it's not like that, but this is the reality. Italy is an extremely corrupted, corrupted country, and it's also a very criminal country. So we have a, a huge problem with criminal organizations. Criminal organizations are everywhere, including politics, economics. We have so many mafiosos in a white collar. So apart from the very funny part of it that you can uh, see through TV series like The Sopranos or whatever. It's <laughs> yeah. part of the culture. It's fun. The Godfather. Nice music. Nice atmosphere. Sicily is beautiful. Southern Italy is beautiful. Reality is that this is a tragedy. And this has been a tragedy for so long. I always love to quote in this respect the two Italian judges uh, who were... Uh, worldwide known Giovanni Falcone and Paolo Borsellino were both killed in uh, in early 90s in 1992 they used to say that mafia is a human phenomenon and uh, as any other human phenomenon it will have an end mm. we don't know when we don't know how it's certainly a huge war a huge challenge but it needs a change in culture and uh, knowledge it requires people to know what happened it requires people why their lives are so miserable in certain aspects and uh, we need a, a cultural switch uh, i also like to quote uh, a, a sicilian writer who to the question do you think that defeating mafia requires the army and he answered i think it requires an army of uh, school teachers I can totally agree with that, yeah. In aspect, or in regards to the entire cultural change that you're referring to, which I absolutely think that education would play a major part in it, there was another author, I don't know if it's the same one that you were quoting before this, uh, Gato Pardo, I'm butchering that. I'm <laughs> still not good at Italian yes, it's yet. a fantastic novel by Tommasi Lampedusa. Uh, there's also a fantastic movie, um, by Luchino Visconti with the same uh, title. And it says a lot about the origins of mafia and the impact of mafia in, in cultural terms. It's also linked to the history of Sicilian noble families. And one of the uh, quotes that we were uh, talking about before this podcast is, uh, uh, in order for uh, everything to stay as it is, we need everything to change. So what we saw in the history of Italy and Italian criminal organizations is that no matters who is ruling Italy, no matters who's ruling from outside, no matter what war is happening, there are certain interests and certain cultural issues that will never change and they will always adapt to what's going on. So do you think that whole changing aspect is going to be difficult because you kind of joked earlier about how South Italy and the formation of the government today, kind of there was an invasion, but they just were okay with just letting it happen. You guys are kind of, you know, like you guys just chill in your areas and you're fine with whatever happens on the outside. Do you think that that plays a part in are people awake and willing to change? 
the corruption of the mafia in Italy. Many people feel uh, useless in this respect. Many people think that uh, this is not their problem. Many other people are well aware, but sometimes feel uh, defeated and lonely. If you Google the videos of um, the funeral services for the judges that I mentioned before, there was kind of um, people uh, revolution against the state. So there was a, there was a state funeral in particular for um, Paolo Borsellino, the second of the judges who was killed by mafia. And the people wanted not to allow the head of state at the time and some ministries to enter the church because they thought, people thought, and I honestly agree with them, yeah. that the state did not do enough to save the life of Mr. Paolo Borsellino. He was the only one that could really continue the fight against mafia at the time. He was left alone, isolated and killed. There's a long history about that and uh, it's, a, it's a wide, wide subject. In recent years, finally, in Italy, we started to talk about the so-called state mafia agreement. Because in those years, in the 90s, what we found out in recent years is that part of the states were in the mafia, part of the mafia was in the state, and the relations were uh, really not clear. They're still not really clear. But what is sure, what, is, uh, what it comes from the documents of various trials on the subject, is that there were part of the police who were uh, deciding at the same tables with mafia gangsters what to do in certain respects. Wow. So essentially they are still involved today in governments? Because I know that you were telling me that there's now a law that if there's any kind of suspicion, but is that really that effective? So there are, uh, there are still many, many very heroic judges and uh, government men or state men risking their lives to, to make the truth evident, to, to, to make the truth appear. There are some laws that allow the government to basically uh, forfeit local elections if they find out that part of the elected people are somehow linked to the, to the criminal organizations, it's not enough. Mm. It's not enough because, in my view, the criminal organizations and the state are so linked and so uh, interconnected that in order to break those links, we will need a systemic change. Yeah. And meaning systemic breaking away from the current 1861 formation of your government kind of systemic change? No, I'm calling for a revolution. <laughs> All right, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's, that makes sense, yeah. I mean, it's pretty much the same thing in the U.S. as well. I mean, it's governments everywhere where there's power, there's corruption. And I don't think anyone's quite figured out how to... Let me add one thing. Yeah. You say... Corruption and criminal organization, I see it in a different way because in Italy, in fact, the pure corruption, the, um, the basic corruption, a bribe given to a political person, a politically exposed person in order to, to obtain a certain uh, result, it's something also carried outside the criminal organizations. 
this is the corruption I was talking in the very beginning. This mm-hmm. is the most corrupt, one of the most corrupted countries in the world because it's in the culture also to skip the power or to skip the official means in order to obtain certain results. Mafia is even more than that. Mafia, and when we say mafia, we should, we should have another podcast about it. But when we say mafia, we're talking about several criminal organizations. There's mafia, there's Camorra, there's Ndrangheta, there's Sacra Corona Unita, and a few other minor criminal organizations. Would that be comparable to like gangs? Like gangs in the U.S. that have quite no, a bit of like drug lords. We're talking. We're talking about uh, trillion-dollar corporations. Oh, fantastic! We're talking about when we talk about, for example, Drangheta, which is uh, uh, its origins in Calabria, in Calabria region, so on on the shoe of the boot, on the foot of yeah. the boot. We're talking about the most powerful criminal organization in terms of uh, drug dealing, drug trafficking. So we're talking about guys who are ruling the drug trade worldwide, except for uh, Asia, maybe, because this is really another world. But we're talking about the guys buying tons and tons and tons of drugs from South America and bringing them to Europe. So we're talking about quantity of money that that is not comparable to anything else. Jeez. I understand that mafioso right that's actually yeah. is mafia uh was originally it, what they called someone who was just suspe- suspicious of central authority and i guess how did the mafia as they used to exist in the origins drastically obviously change from how it is today so uh the history of mafia is a <laughs> is a, a 10 books at least yeah, yeah, yeah. history it's consolidated so the the word the word mafia the word mafioso is actually in its origins in sicilian is a good word so mafioso i i, I cannot remember the 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 actual translation but what I can tell you is that mafioso meant someone uh, very energic and uh, positive in okay. terms of uh, expre- of personal expression. You can also call uh, a woman. You you could also call a woman mafiosa, meaning that wow, she's really mafiosa, meaning that she was a very energic and beautiful and powerful. Okay, cool. Okay, mafia has a long, long, long history. The Sicilian mafia has a long history. Maybe we can refer to a phase in uh, around the unification of Italy. So we're talking about maybe mid-19th century, when uh, the first mafia phenomenons were mainly linked to agriculture, to the control of uh, water, mm-hmm. to the control of uh, some resources in a, count- in, a, in a region where there was a lack of uh, government and official power. So the situation was so complicated that some powerful people started to control things that were meant to be controlled by the state. That's one of the origins of the phenomenon that that then changed along the decades based on the political situation, so adapted to to the situation until it became uh, such a large criminal organization that started to control parts of parts of the state as i was saying before yeah and obviously it used to be kind of aspect of protecting you know families in their towns to an extent but then 
This is a, this is the main excuse. Excuse, that, yeah. Yes, yeah. that the criminal organizations always use. Mm-hmm. So they of course rely upon weaknesses of people and uh, people in need. And the first soldiers of criminal organizations are people in search for their bread to survive, looking to survive. As I was saying before, when the state is not there and when education is not there, it's very, very easy for a criminal organization to gain consensus among, among people. And that's also the reason why I fear a political and European system where certain basic services like healthcare, social security and education are reviewed in terms of spending because we need to stay into certain numbers. That's very, very dangerous for certain countries and situations and regions. Can you elaborate on that a bit more and meaning, I, I guess I didn't understand your stance in regarding how healthcare and education should be appropriated. Much, much more. Okay. I, I'm, I'm very, very inclined to think that uh, social security, healthcare, education should be public and universal. But that's my, my personal opinion, especially in, a, in countries where if the state is lacking or is missing on certain uh, needs of the people, then criminal organizations are well ready to replace the state. Do you think that that is something that the Italian government should control or the European Union should control in regards to healthcare and education? And I guess what, who, who's in charge of that now? So in charge of that now, it's uh, uh, the single member state. So it's the single member state to decide how much to finance um, schools and uh, hospitals, etc. But then in the framework of uh, agreements with the European Union to keep certain economic indicators at certain levels. Okay, so essentially they can give more or less depending on how their independent state's doing. I, I think I've already kind of briefed this, but how ingrained is the Italian mafia or the mafia in the Italian government and or the European Union? Like in an honest opinion, because like obviously you say it's it's very it's very prevalent. You you fear it. Education is a primary thing to change it, which makes me think that it's obviously still extremely integrated with the Italian government. Yes, it's everywhere. I'm very worried to say that it's like that, but it's like that. You have criminal organizations within uh, police. You have criminal organizations without, within uh, ministries, public offices, judges, everywhere. They are everywhere. Not only in Italy. Yeah. So in this respect, I'd like to quote uh, the, the head of the judicial office in charge of uh, contrasting, of challenging the Indrangheta, which is the other criminal organization that I was mentioning before. Nicola Gratteri is one, uh, to me, is one of the most heroic and courageous judges we currently have in Italy. Is uh, the head of the Procura della Repubblica di Catanzaro, so it's a city in, uh, in Calabria, and is the, the guy really fighting the Indrangheta organization. And uh, during one of his speeches, he was referring to the fact, to the fact that uh, apart from Italy and apart from southern Italy, the country where Indrangheta is mostly present is Germany. Really? And in Germany, they do not have a specialized judicial office 
to contrast and to challenge this criminal organization. It's like they are denying the existence of this phenomenon. The German government is? Yes. These guys, these Ndrangheta guys, were the authors of the uh, so-called Strategy Duisburg. So uh, a nice city, a nice and, uh, and very calm city in Germany was um, flooded with blood because of um, Ndrangheta war between families. It's like this opened their eyes. We know, we certainly know that uh, these criminal organizations are there, are ruling uh, part of the economy as well, because they have so much money, as I was referring before, as I was saying before, that they really need to reinvest this money everywhere. But in Germany, they are doing basically nothing. There is not um, a specialized police force. What, 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 would, what would the motivation be to not acknowledge that they exist? Is it because they're putting money into the German economy, or I just don't understand? No, for once, once in my life, I will, uh, I will defend the Germans. Cool, <laughs> I'm okay with that, man. I like the Germans. I will defend my Ger- my, the Germans, saying that uh, the phenomenon is probably so complicated and so tough to understand that if it's not part of your of your culture, you really need a lot of time and a lot of shocks before understanding, really understanding what's going on. I was referring to Ndrangheta because I think it's very interesting. We know a lot about Sicilian Mafia. We know quite a lot about Camorra, so the Naples, mm-hmm. let's call it, uh, uh, criminal organization. Also thanks to writers, to, to people who, who found information about these criminal organizations and published them, or because of uh, trials, documents that we have. About Ndrangheta, we don't know much. We still don't know much. And if you listen to this guy, to Nicola Gratteri, he will uh, give you some uh, information also about the structure of this criminal organization, which is uh, heavily complicated. And it's made in a way that the moment you're trying to understand how it's working, they are already changing. So I guess that it's... They're not trying to to help or to support the criminal organization. They're not passively accepting it. It's just they're not prepared. They're not prepared culturally, and maybe they're not prepared uh, to invest in fighting and in challenging these criminal organizations because they don't see their lives changing because of that. Yeah, the Germans, you mean? Yes. And by the way, ich bin in Deutschland gewesen und habe Deutsch gelernt. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to try to think of like the two German words I know, but it's like, I'm bitter. No, I said, I basically said I've been in Germany once and I learned German. Oh. German. Oh, really? Well, you speak amazing English. No, 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 oh, don't say that. No, yeah. It's very poor. No. Last question and then I'll get us out of here. Essentially, you were saying how the mafia has such a vast amount of resources in regards to money specifically. How much of that is essentially lost from what the like the taxes and how much do you think that the Italian government and people are losing from the businesses that they just kind of like run? You know what I mean? I mean, do you think it's that predominant so from, or so from uh, official accounts? If you look at if we look at official accounts and we look at official numbers, the loss is uh, unbelievably big. It's uh, it's incredible. 
So maybe around 30% of the Italian economy is a black economy. Holy When we say black, we are underwater. Mm-hmm, yeah. Under, underground. Underground. Yeah, same, same. Part of this money is flowing back in the economy somehow. Because, of course, the guys will not keep all their money in a safe. They will, uh, they will reinvest the money in the economy, also to clean it, to wash yeah. it. So in terms of actual loss, I'm not able to say. In terms of fiscal loss, so ta- unpaid taxes, it's around 30%. Jesus. Not only criminal organizations, but also uh, personal tax evasions, so people which are unlinked to the criminal organizations. In this respect, I have to say that based on my international experiences, I've seen that... Uh, Every single country has an underground economy, yeah, yeah, and maybe yeah. much more than we would think. In Italy, we have strong, uh, we have tight regulations about uh, the use of cash, for example. While you don't have that in Germany, you don't have that in Luxembourg, you don't have it in many other countries in the world. Is that an attempt to essentially stop the yes to loss trace of... to trace all payments and uh, avoid uh, cash payments uh, in an attempt to make the underground economy emerge back to to the, to the light? I don't know how effective it is because large criminal organizations or uh, main taxi tax evaders are. Uh, really know how to do yeah, to hide their it, money yeah. even Shell if companies, electronic accounts correct yeah. yeah um so that's that's not a bad idea i guess because i'm just kind of i always try to think of you know solutions to every issue um as i'm assuming most people do so essentially what i'm getting out of this is education and i think that that honestly the money tracing and lack of cash might be beneficial in the future yes no maybe so For sure, uh, money tracing is very useful and beneficial when uh, when we're talking about small things. Are you sure you can trace money from uh, large international corporations? I'm not sure that you can. Yeah. Sometimes large organizations are so powerful that they will always find a way to hide their money or to move their money so not to so to avoid taxes and uh, this is widely accepted all over the world so let, let's not uh, let's not uh, we say in italian hide uh, behind uh, a finger you cannot hide behind the finger and let's admit that the old financial system is made in a way that the bigger you are the more you can cheat a hundred percent which is a hundred like we I think are in the beginning stages of maybe changing that a bit worldwide, but we also might be changing it for the worse. So I'm not really sure what's going on with that scenario. But my only last thought was that if they can fucking track uh, how many seconds you look at something on your phone and then continue, I'm assuming they can freaking have enough information to track where every dollar comes and goes from. But it's just whether um, they... They prosecute or, you know, follow Is there up. a really interest in doing that? Yeah, ex- well, exactly, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. While it could be potentially beneficial for that, is it really worth the privacy loss of allowing an entity to view every single thing? We do. But I do always want to end on two things. One, 
If you could give any piece of advice about anything in the world, what would it be? And you were not prepared for this, so. No. no, no. <laughs> Just if, if there's one thing that you've learned on this earth and you could sum it up, what would that piece of advice be? Wow, that's a big, big question. <laughs> Never put Parmigiano on seafood. <laughs> Perfect. That is, that is all I was asking for. Yeah, actually, I, I learned that the other day because I asked for the Parmesan, literally. And, and I hardly ever even put cheese on, on my stuff. Yep. But for some reason, I was like, I bet this would go really good. And I asked Greta's mom. I said, uh, can I get the Parmesan? She just looked at me. I was like, no. And then Greta <laughs> no. goes, no, no, no. You don't put the Parmesan on seafood. I was like, what? <laughs> so, yeah, that is um, 100% a thing. No, it's me saying thanks to you. It's been a wonderful time. I hope um, this is uh, the information that I gave were useful to, the, to your audience and to yourself. Of course, as I said in the beginning, I, I was not expecting to give... Uh, full-fledged answers because uh, all the subjects that you touched were are quite wide and complicated and uh, I specialize professionally in, uh, in very few subjects while here you touched yeah well, <laughs> just the world everything. pretty much yeah <laughs> um, no and I again I appreciate so much I will hopefully someday get you back on and we can maybe even dive more into the financial side of things which I know you have a bit more expertise on yes with pleasure that would be excellent is there any place people can reach you before we head off if oh yes with pleasure I will share my email address with them so it's ams dot Puglia, which is my region, and it's spelled P-U-G-L-I-A at gmail.com. So ams.puglia, P-U-G-L-I-A at gmail.com. Perfect. And I will throw that in the show notes for anyone who did not catch that. So just scroll down and click if you are interested in getting in touch. Alberto, thank you so much. I know that having an interview about complex issues in a language other than your native language is quite difficult. So thank you so much for that and best of luck with your new firm. Thank you. Bye. All right, guys. And that concludes part two of this two-part interview. If you guys didn't hear the first interview, go check it out. It is fantastic and quite informational. Other than that, I am actually just now, by the time this is being played in your ears, finishing up my road trip throughout Italy. So next week will probably be maybe just a two-minute episode, even if that. And then I'll get back into the swing of things after that. Otherwise, I'll talk to you guys and let you know how the travels went. Have a good week. Cheers. And that wraps up another episode of Thoughts of a Random Citizen. Thank you, everyone, so much for tuning back in. For those who are new listeners, welcome, and I appreciate you joining. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and our guest today. If you are new and you're doing anything remote, be sure to check out Citizen Remote. It is fantastic if you're already traveling the world. It's a great app to join 
a very quickly growing community. It's a great tool for those who are just about to begin traveling and figuring out how to navigate that, especially if you work remotely. It's a fantastic platform and we continue to build more and more tools for you guys week in and week out. Otherwise, if you're an entrepreneur and you're looking for tools or assistance with the next steps of you know what you need to do with your startup, or if you're looking for software development, network connections, reach out to us at Torque United. Otherwise, if you're just tuning in for the conversations, thank you. That's why I love doing what I'm doing. Keep tuning in and actually keep a lookout for the not-for-profit that we're about to open up. You know, its main focus is going to be on international collaboration and helping build a borderless world because it's something that I'm very passionate about. That's why I'm not only doing Torque United, but Citizen Remote as well. Really exciting stuff on that horizon. Please keep up to date with all of that stuff, the not-for-profit and entrepreneurial side of things at Torque United. But again, if you're traveling the world, check out Citizen Remote. If you're wanting to travel the world, if you're a remote worker, check out Citizen Remote. Check out the app we've built for you guys. Check out the platform we've built. It's only growing every single week. So hopefully you guys will take part in that with us. Otherwise, I will speak with everyone in a fortnight. Until then, cheers. Cheers.